to the Abbey Talks podcast series with myself, Lisa Farley, coordinator of the talk series here at the Abbey, and the country girls themselves, Grace Collander and Lola Pettigrew. I had the good fortune to while away an hour with Grace and Lola on such things as the daylight gallivant of a jobbing actor, stepping out from the dark onto that stage, and the energy and impulses that fuel that leap. They talk of their audition and rehearsal process, their toolbox of training, audience responses, and the responsibility of representation in performance and storytelling. We go on and talk of gratitude, of friendship and senses of character. And in the same breath, we mention Edna O'Brien and Sally Rooney, writers who tread the same depths, decades apart, drawing the reader closer with each turn of the page. If you haven't read Sally Rooney's Normal People, I would take a long, hard look at myself and ask myself why, and then think about addressing that later. But I would skip this recording forward at the 35 minute mark to the 36 minute mark as the aftermath of a dance card decision is laid bare and we're still not all right about it, to be honest. Enjoy this podcast. It's the day after Two Show Wednesday and you're a couple of hours away from show call. Now, in the topsy-turvy night shift life of an actor, what's the daylight hours like for you? Are you always pondering the show for that evening, Grace? Well, I suppose I'm in the unique situation where I'm still in college. So I've actually come straight from college. Yeah, like for me, I would try to go in to get the college work done in the morning and then have a bit of time to come in and like prepare before so that normal life is separate to show life and to have like that separation between the two and to have a very definite time to prepare. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you. Lola, do you have a do you get to have a life when when you're in a run? Um, I, no, <laughs> you kind of have a little bit. Like I, I think I put a little bit of time in the morning. I try to go with like a coffee with my pals and my boyfriend, like maybe early in the morning. But I'm the type of person if I could live in my dressing room, I would, mm. because I feel like once you're in the bubble, it's kind of nice to just be in the bubble. bubble yeah. So I tend to go in. I'm sure the the people at stage door will tell you I'm in and out of there all the time. <laughs> we both are. Yeah. And I'm like I'm like literally like I've moved into the dressing room, there's a bed there. So if I could stay overnight, I would. But I tend to go in quite early and um, like have a shower, do maybe do a face mask, <laughs> take care of myself, make a wee cup of tea and just kind of like, yeah, prep and think about the show and kind of just reel it over my head. I don't I don't like want to do too much because I think that once you get stuck in that, you know, you're just it's no longer live and you're kind of just riding a dead horse if you, you if know, you, plan yeah, your yeah. every move. But it's just about settling yourself sort of into an atmosphere and an environment where you're like relaxed enough to like do you know what I mean mm. I think if I stayed in bed or if I stayed in the house I'd come in and feel really jumbled yeah exactly I like to go in and tidy up my station mm. yeah. and um, have a cup of tea and mm. Grace usually comes in and, and Megan who's in the dressing room with us and we just kind of have like a little chat we all come in quite early we all come in quite yeah. we have like quite a, an early sort of warm up call because we're mm. on the rake we have to do very specific warm ups um how is it? How is it acting on that rake? It's it's a quite a steep incline, isn't it? Do you feel it? It is. Yeah, we've we've gotten used to it. I mean, we've been rehearsing on the rake for a while. I can't really remember doing it without the rake, but yeah, like it's just about warming up. Um, like Vicky Manderson, our uh, movement director, has just been amazing, and she's given us like specific warm ups and stuff to do to um, to cater for. Yeah, the rake. We all lead a warm up every night, which is lovely, <laughs> which is really nice. <laughs> yeah, so it's just about making sure, and for yourself, knowing everybody's what parts of your body. Bodies like it's so different. Yeah. And for me, I know that I, I, 
I'm not used to doing a lot of movement really at all. And being on the rake is, is very different for me. So I, mm. I know that I feel like I have quite bad knees and hips and I know that I can sometimes feel it there. So it's just about warming up and if you feel anything, you know, the next day, sort of catering to that yourself. Yeah. And just like you would do in any job or I mm. suppose like they do say as an actor, your body's, you know, your instrument. So you have to you really have to learn to take care of it. Is there any um, superstitions or anything like that or anything that you follow through that you've brought, say, from previous work to here? I know talking to other actors, I remember talking to Eileen Walsh and she had a song that she would sing and she'd walk into the auditorium and in some ways she'd warm up the auditorium for herself and she sings the same song yeah. since that wow. first production. Um, is there anything that you you guys are going to or you think you, you would continue to do? I really like standing on the stage. I like coming down before the show starts and standing listening to I just find it so amazing that like especially because we start the show with the black down the black down that like you can hear everyone coming in and I just like really like just like standing there or like lying <laughs> you probably don't see me just like lying on the stage it just grinds me it's like okay I'm a person they're all people we're all here for the same thing yeah. it's all cool <laughs> you know because otherwise you can just get so up in your head about it and get really like ah and you have to like I just find I really have to like grind myself because if I think particularly in the few minutes before I go on because if I think too far ahead like it's such a big journey for me that if I think too far ahead into it I'll just completely freak myself out so I just really like having that time of being like and then as well like being in the theatre when it's empty before the show starts is like really important I think yeah it's like really nice to just like be like oh this is my space and it's interesting yeah. that you say that because I was here I tend to drop in to the to the show as it begins but yesterday I was here for the matinee and I loitered at the back <sighs> And, and it is there, I'm, I'm there, I suppose, to soak up the atmosphere when the audience is in. Just without fail, every performance I've been in for this, the air is crackling with anticipation and then it does feel like it's pitch black out there and then Ray Harmon's score is just pulsating. <laughs> I, I can feel, I can feel like it just like, it's such a heartbeat. And then, um, yeah, as you say, like as the curtain rises, I was going to ask you both, in those moments, just as that curtain rises and you're going from dark to light, what is going through your head? Do you want to take this? <laughs> um, I'm backstage at that point. I'm backstage for the most of the curtain rising, sort of watching Grace and Lisa, and I can see the sort of light change. And I mean, the music really is the heartbeat of this piece, which oh, is what's so lovely about it. I kind of, when I'm backstage, just before the show, I have like a lot of energy and I feel like I, I kind of like the cast will tell you, I kind of like run about backstage a bit. I'm like a box of frogs kind of running about. And I think that for me, it's like, I don't go into that place until I sort of step out there because I think that's the energy I reserve yes. for out there. So when I'm backstage just before the show, I'm I'm up, I think I'm absolutely me, and then it I think I find the change of of energy in myself as I step onto the stage is the the impulse yeah. then to go forward through the show. I think that's I know what a lot of people are different. They want to be sort of in character mm. previous to going on and stuff like that. But for me, I really like the the change of stepping like, on and boom. the impulse coming yeah. in, that's the thing that then carries you through. Mm. And it's really enhanced and helped by the, the score, of course. I think oh God, if yeah. we could all have our life scored and soundtrack, like, isn't that the dream? It, there's a part where she, Kate goes to Dublin and the, the score, do you know that bit of score? Yeah. And it's I like, love do, it. do, 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 do. and it's just so like, it feels so right for me because if this was her life, this is exactly how it yeah. should be underscored. I, I, I feel so <laughs> happy for her. I'm like, yes. Yeah, it's just it's just so lovely. And as you hear the audience come in, as you say, you're you're not making too many leaps in your mind to go too far ahead. But no, you ha It's the kind of show that 
yeah, I can't. I you just have to be so in the moment. Every every audience is so different, and and that's the thing about theatre. The audience is in a way almost like another character, and you feed off what they give you. Yeah, and it changes absolutely every night, and um, massively, it's a hundred percent what they bring as much as what we bring. We bring yeah, exactly. We feed off each other. Yeah. So before you even go out, you can hear sort of. What kind of audience they're going to be? I mean, we had like we've had some really vocal audiences. Like so we had vocal. literally people like say stuff like, and it's like they can't help themselves. Like it just comes out. Comes they out. want to respond to whatever's going on. Yeah, we had a funny one where there's a bit where Steve comes on when I'm about to leave, and uh, this woman. <laughs> This woman audibly went, "Oh Jesus Christ, the poor girl!" And I, and it was just like, "Yes, thank you." Or That's the, exactly how I feel. Do you remember the audience when I I come to Grace at the end, and I don't want to do any spoilers, but I come to Grace at the end, and we have this little bit, and literally like there was like a group of people just going, "Yes," and it like literally like I could yeah. have cried. I was oh like, "Oh my god!" Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, and you just feel like if people on your side, it's it's. In it's interesting to like for the for the audience, you know, seasoned audience goers, not to be aware that if they can hear you and they can see you, that you can also do the same. But I think people forget that. You I know, think, I think it's because it's like lovely. you're so used to going to like see. I think because it, it, it's almost like going to see a film. You just don't think that, and you think something is so far removed from you. But yeah, like we can hear everything. <laughs> yeah, and I think the whole, you know, there's a whole big talk at the minute about audience etiquette and how you behave in a theatre. But I think, you know, if you try to completely make an audience silent during the whole thing, oh, and no. they just stand there with their hands folded and shut their mouths. And no. That's not what it is. You know, it's, it's part of it. It's, it's part live of it. theatre they, for a reason. You want people like... to like gasp and not be able to control saying certain yeah. things. It oh, no. they're enjoying it and they're in it. If somebody was hackling, that's very different. Yeah. But when people are like, they genuinely can't help themselves. Yeah. Oh, it's very, it's, it's very moving. It's amazing to see that people are so invested in, yeah. in it. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's a really, it feels really, and it's an intimate theatre as well. So it just, yeah, I, well, I love well, that. Like, like, what we forget is a lot, of, a lot of the audience that are coming to see this, this is something that they're maybe quite attached to. This is yes. a book that they've been reading, maybe since they were kids and they have, you know, they remember it when it was, again, hidden under mattresses or whatever, and they're getting to see it. So it's... Yeah. Like I've spoken to a lot of women who would have been our age, I'd say, when the book came out, like, and there was three women who were here, gorgeous women that were here, um, I think it was Saturday matinee, yeah, it was. and I stood outside for 20 minutes and I bawled my eyes out with them. Like, there was one lady and she was just like, I've never, I, she said, I, I remember reading this under the covers because I was afraid that someone would find me reading it. And she said, I've never felt more represented on a stage before she said I've never I never thought I would ever see a theatre version of the country girls never mind in the national theatre and I just have never she was like that's exactly what it was like and just like she was just like bawling and I was bawling and it was just yeah, yeah. there's been a lot because I've certainly never been in a show where there's so much it feels like people are like really invested in it and they're like oh my god like gasps and everything like all the time which is feels yeah, right. You yeah. see them outside after, and you know if you manage to like bump into people in the way, especially from the older audience, yeah. they feel they feel like they're really seeing it themselves feels... and seeing, you know. And it's always odd, in in no matter what sense, like to see yourself outside of yourself represented yeah. somewhere. And I suppose this is something they maybe never thought that they would get to see. No. And 
it's it's really, it feels really important. Intense. It's so important. It feels really important. Yeah. Will you talk to me about the audition process? I believe that you got paired up from the beginning, or was that <laughs> organic, or or was well, that? We actually was, our first audition was separate. Yes. And then we got called back together, together later that afternoon, on the same day. I, I was, was in Danny's buying I was, bed sheets. Yes. And I got the call to come back at four and o'clock and I was looking at these, my boyfriend's was a really tacky black sequence. I remember bed. that <laughs> so well. <laughs> like, they were really cool and they're actually so She's disgusting. She came in and she was like, I just bought these black silk sheets and he said they were so tacky and I was like I was sitting in a in a in a lecture in college I'd just gone back because I'd missed the morning of college and they were really nice to like let me out and audition so I ran back after the audition and I was sitting in the lecture and then I got this call and I'd missed the call and then I was like hello and they were like yeah can you come back in and we want you to read with this other girl so and did you know each other before this no no we actually didn't. didn't at all um so then we did we did that edition we together. Did that one. that and was then one of many. <laughs> one of many. We got called back quite a few times after that. Yeah. Um and we just we did kind of click straight away. Oh we got on really well. Really well straight yeah. away and kinda of like knew each other's rhythms and I think it was helped like after one edition. I think we'd maybe our third or fourth. It was definitely the second last it was, one. Was it after the movement call? Yes, and then we'd the, we'd worked with We uh, worked with Andrea. Yeah, for a bit Andrea, on yeah. some voice stuff and I was like, oh, should we go for a you know, drink or a coffee or something? You know, it's been so intense. And Grace is like, oh, you know, I'd love a Merlot. And I stopped in the street and I was like, I have always said I would die with a glass of Merlot in my hand. And, and that was like the start <laughs> of a beautiful friendship. I think we went to Workman's and, and I had would a bottle. Like, I would like very rarely drink. Like, so I was like, I was, it was just so, I was like, I'd love a glass of Merlot. <laughs> she was like, oh my God. We, went, we had like a bottle and we were just like talking about it and talking and we were like, Oh, you know what? If we don't get it, like at least we've made a friend out of it, and then we were both like, we were like, oh, we no, really we want, want it. it so much. But why aren't they ringing us? We really want it. It was a lovely experience. It was auditioning. so lovely. Yeah, and it was a really. I mean, we had Edna in for our last. Edna was in for our final one, which was like they were like literally we showed up <laughs> and they were like, so Edna's inside, and we were like, what? We were like what? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Do we buy? I don't know what the procedure <laughs> is here. I don't know what to do. Uh, but she was so lovely and open to sort of our interpretation. Really let us play. Um, Maureen, who cast it, was there, and and Graham. And I find that you know any room I've been in with Maureen has just been the loveliest, easiest sort yeah. of addition room possible. Yeah. I mean, those things are never easy, but and Andrea as well. Yeah, Andrea who's just. Just oh, gorgeous. <laughs> I can't talk about that old one enough. She's amazing. Working yeah. with her, even like we get sometimes you get like hour long um, or even forty five minutes of, of voice with Andrea, and you just walk out and you feel like you're like, I know so much more yeah. about this person, like about yeah. this character, and you don't even think that you're like going that deep. She just brings out these things. Yeah, she does. She's she's so fantastic, and she's just always on the ball. She's somebody that. I always, always, always listen to what she says no matter what because I think she's always on the ball. Mm. She's always on the ball. You're the country girls of the title. Where do you hail from? I'm from Trim, County Meath. How about you, Lola? Really? I'm from West Belfast. Is there theatre in the blood? Grace? No. <laughs> Not that I know of. Um, Was it a big leap for you then to pursue an acting career? Yeah. Yeah. yeah How did it go down with the family? So. Oh, well, they're very supportive. Like, I think they were worried for me, definitely. 
I did a, I kind of went a bit of a roundabout way because I did a year in, in a different course in university and then I decided to like go for drama school. It's very last minute actually. And then I ended up going to DIT to study and didn't look back from there. So yeah, it was, the agreement was always like, you get a degree. So, <laughs> but uh, no, but I've, I've loved my training. Like, so no regrets. How about you, Lola? Uh, no, there's there's no real theatre in my family. My mum and dad, my mum, they, they both worked different jobs during their life. Um, they, they didn't go to university or anything. My mum has held loads of different jobs and then for the majority of what I've known of the life, she was a community nurse. Um, my sister's also a community nurse and now my daddy and my mummy are both auxiliary nurses in the Royal Hospital in Belfast. Um, my daddy's actually going to university at the minute, so he's doing his first year of is university he? through work, That's which is amazing. amazing. I'm so proud of him. He's actually doing a math test today is at he? six o'clock and then driving to Dublin to come and see the show tomorrow. Oh my gosh. So it's very, very me. cute. And it's actually my mummy and daddy's wedding anniversary today. I just remembered that. I can <laughs> just send a text. Um, but no, so there's there's no real... Uh, they both love it. Like my daddy is... A, they're quite creative people, even though they didn't pursue it. My daddy's an amazing artist and poet. My mummy's a great poet. They both have beautiful way of words. They used to read me poetry and, and stories before bed and they like nurtured a lot of creativity. And I went to Amjam when I was really young. My mum and dad were wary of me being out all the time kind of where I grew up. And so they wanted me in different places. Sure. So they sent me to a place called the Rainbow Factory in Belfast, which is run with Youth Action, mm. which is an amazing, amazing project. And they've, they're an ama- not just for Amjam, but they sort of like take on these kids who, I mean, you can see them all in the industry now. Loads of people that are working in the industry now from Belfast went through Rainbow Factory and Youth Action. And then when I got into my teenage years, I sort of like, I loved doing it and I still did it like in school and stuff, but I was working, I worked in Matlan. Um, and then one of my yeah. best pals, Anthony Boyle, went to Royal Welsh. And I was like, oh, he's done that, like maybe that is possible. And I sort of followed him and I applied for the Royal Welsh and I got in and I followed him there and then that was it. And my parents are so, so supportive. They've always been really supportive. Like from when I was like eight, they were like, that's what she wants to do and she's gonna do it. That's cool. And they made like every sort of like possible thing happen, happen so that I could do it. Like there was no sort of bargaining with them to let me do it. They were like, nope, that's what she does. That's her thing and that's what she's going to do. What Was there a moment, um, say for you, Lola, that something clicked that you did think, you know, I can do this, like this is even before you went to drama school, that I can do this and I, I could actually make a life out of this? Was, it, was there any...? It was really, it was really when my pal, when he went to drama school, I just didn't think that it was like a thing and like, you know... I, I, I grew up in a place, you know, where it was like, you know, you, you go to university or you don't and, and that's kind of it. But, you know, acting was just not really like a, it's just not a thing, I suppose. And when Anthony went to drama school, I was kind of like, and I kind of was still a bit scared of it. And I had a chat with him before actually applying for the Royal Welsh. And he was like, if you don't go, you're going to be making the biggest mistake of your life. You're always going to regret it. You always just think that you're going to regret it, don't you? Yeah, and it's like, as a joke, he always says, like, you owe your acting career to me. In a way, I actually do, because I don't think I would have had the guts to go for it without him having that chat with me. I remember bawling on the phone, being like, I made a month. I'd applied for university. I'd applied to do English literature and creative writing, because I always said if I didn't want to act, I wanted to be a poet. (laughs) As if that was, like, the more stable option, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Um... But I had a massive chat with him and a phone call with him and he sort of 
give me the kick in the arse to go and, and do my training, which I absolutely adored. Mm. The Royal Welsh is an amazing school. There's a voice coach there, Patricia Logue. Actually, she's an, act, uh, an acting lecturer now, and she's from Belfast. She's the most incredible woman. I owe so much to Patricia Logue. She's, she's absolutely deadly, and it's an amazing school, and they turn out really good, down-to-earth actors that just want to work are good at the work part. Yeah. We might talk a little bit about the training, actually. Um, Grace, you are in your final year of drama and theatre studies at Conservatory of Music and Drama, Rathmines. How does working on a full production fall into line with your coursework? I was in the very... It, it worked out really well time-wise for me because um, the way they do it in DIT is that you do two final year productions. You do one before Christmas and one after Christmas. Now, I was just really lucky that... Um, time-wise it worked out that this replaces my final year, my second final year production, if that makes sense. So I'm being assessed on this. It's like a running joke in the cast. <laughs> that it's like, She's I'm going to give D. you a D. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, stop that. We're going to, we're going to all, I, I feel like everyone actually thinks that they all get to assess me. <laughs> but that's not the case. I don't, I hope anyway. You but, have um, Edna O'Brien as a referee. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really funny. But um, yeah, it's like, this hole that they have over me but um the way it works at the moment so I I have recitals so the way we do it is we make we're in theatre companies kind of, of of three um people and we find scenes ourselves and like make a theme and you kind of make it's actually really cool because you make your own kind of 15 minute piece that you get assessed on and it can be anything that you want it to be which is really cool, especially when you're starting out and you don't really, that's what you're kind of aiming to do anyway. It's like show what you want to do as an artist. And at the moment I'm in rehearsals for that. And then we write a thesis as well, which is kind of unusual. <laughs> I know you're familiar with this. Oh God, I remember, just hectic. I'll still yeah, always it, work to it a deadline. Yeah, it is pretty hectic. Yeah, yeah, Grace first met me and she was like, yeah, I write my thesis. And I was like, you what? You're what? what? Now, I've loved that because I I really have loved... The thing about DIT is it's very unique in that we really do have the academic side and the, the practical side. It's very much like the best of both worlds. And I have loved the academic side of it. I feel really, really grateful to have because I think it's really important to like... I think I've said this to you before, actually, that it's just so important to reflect on theatre and and why we're doing this and politically where it comes from and the, the academic side of it is... It's important to be a critical thinker and to analyse things in that way. So, yes, I'm uh, responsible for writing my thesis and I'm handing it in three weeks early before I go on tour <laughs> and then I will be free. Oh, my gosh. And then I finished tour on the 4th of May and then I'm back on the 8th. Uh, for my final well my final uh, recital is on the 8th of May I just feel so grateful like I can't even explain how like lucky I feel it's just I feel like the it's just I don't even understand how this is happening like it's just sometimes like we'll be walking in the building and Grace is like I can't believe we work here <laughs> I can't believe we work here I actually just walk around and I'm like we're in the Abbey <laughs> we're so lucky Apple it is important to be grateful because like you get tired and stuff of course like it's life there's days that I definitely like 9 o'clock in the morning and you've done a show the night before and you're going up to get in and rehearse and it's tough like but like I'm so lucky like so lucky I'd rather I'd rather be doing that than nothing n- not, be, not being busy like god and I it's just like so lucky to be getting up and doing what I love to do every day you both had now correct me if I'm wrong but you both had kind of similar trajectories from training onto 
Actually, the Abbey stage. Uh, Lola, you would have been with us for Porcelain back yeah. last year, Margaret Perry's debut play. Yeah. Can I ask you, Lola, then about, yes, making that leap from training to uh, full production. Does the training prepare you for the rigour of the rehearsal room? Absolutely. The way that the Royal Welsh sort of worked is your final year, your third year. You did five back-to-back productions. You became a member of what is known as the Richard Burton Theatre Company, which is basically the third-year students. And you just did five plays back-to-back. Um, they got in outside directors, people that are working in the industry, um, to come in. So they've had like amazing directors in, like uh, Michael Fentiman and Ned Banner, Andy Wyman, like absolutely amazing people to be able to work with who are out in the industry actually working. And they come in and you do play with them and you have four or five weeks of rehearsal and then you put it on for like a week you have the four or five week rehearsal period and and it's really intense and it's long hours and immediately like you're just you're thrown into what it would be like in the industry and you learn to sort of have your you learn to work with other people's sort of process you learn to Mm. have your own you learn where the middle ground is you know and so I found training was brilliant for that um I think it's hard to talk about because when you've been doing it for sort of three years it sort of just sinks into you and it becomes something you just know yeah so like all of the you know, the voice work and movement work from first and second year and all the things you were like at the time, why am I doing this? You don't think about why you're doing them anymore. It's just sort of in your bones. It's just part of you. It's part of you. Mm. I know that training isn't for everyone and I know a lot of people who are amazing, successful at their jobs, um, all theatre makers, whether it's designers or stage managers, technicians, you know, whatever it is. And if they go to drama school or they don't, I think for me it was important. It was something that I wanted to do. Mm. It was something that I thought I needed. And that might not be the thing for other people, Everybody, but yeah, I, I definitely can't recommend it enough. I think it's um, it's a really lovely period of time when you're young. I remember when I was 18, which is actually quite young. It was really it was really nice because it's just three years of being in a, in a little bubble and kind of going, you know, you learn the techniques and, and you learn the things that you need to know, but it's also going, you know, I have three years to explore what I like and what I don't like and it's, what I want to be involved in, what I don't, and the type of, without sounding like an idiot, but the type of actor that you want to be and mm. sort of the stuff that you want to do and really hone in and find, like, what your place when you leave is and what you think that's going to be and how to, to sort of just develop mm. that. It's kind of like this safe space where you almost... It's three years of experimentation and completely. kind of just being allowed to muck up. I think what would have happened for me is I would have gone out into the industry at 18 and been a ball of nerves and been afraid I would have been the to same. do anything. Yeah. And I got to go and it was so free and learn that, you know, it's not about being perfect. I think maybe when I was 18, I had an idea that everybody that was an actor was kind of like... that. I, I was surrounded by like tall, English, beautiful girls, girls. who are amazing <laughs> actresses. And I'm five foot and I have a... West Belfast accent and I was like what is like and you know he's going to want me because I didn't have an RP accent and I remember Patricia Logue being like would you ever wise up to yourself elongate your vowels because they're clipped and you're grand yeah. like you're grand stop it and just kind of learning that you bring a different flavour and it's the uniqueness of you mm. you don't have to try to be anybody else and that you don't have to be perfect you just have to be ready to make decisions and go with the flow and, and explore and dig deep so for me, I can't recommend training enough. I loved it. I really loved it. It's the most freeing thing in the world. And I just feel equipped. Like, I think because I'm still quite young, I'm 23, and going into something like this can be quite terrifying, especially when you're with um, older, experienced actors, you know, people that you look up to, and you can kind of go in and feel like, 
I have no mm, idea what I'm yeah. doing, but I feel equipped. I feel like I have a toolbox. I feel like I have experience. I feel like I know myself enough to now go in and be like, actually, I'm here on equal footing and this is my job. And Grace, about the movement, you mentioned earlier with Vicky Manderson, that style of movement direction as well up in the rehearsal room. Would you talk about that? Because you move from soliloquy to like a choreographed movement, you know, throughout the ensemble. Would you talk about, I suppose, that rehearsal room process? Vicky's amazing, isn't she? She's so amazing. <laughs> I love her so much. Ever since the movement call in the auditions, I was just <laughs> like, I need to be in this room. It was just so cool. Yeah, the way Vicky worked, it was very much a collaborative yeah. process. Like we actually made a lot of the movement ourselves overseen by by Vicky. So what she would do is she would put us into, we would have like these exercises to do, so she'd put us into groups and she would be like, try to figure out a way to carry Grace across the room in like three different ways or something like that. And then to say like with the stuff with myself and Steve, who plays Mr. Gentleman, she would be like, find three parts of Steve's body that you can, that you like and find ways to like connect them so in that way we would make movement pieces and she would kind of make it all make sense but we would very much do it together so it was really nice to have that like collaborative process she would also do the thing where she give us like a word yeah the words so she'd give a word grief grief. whatever it was she'd just put on music and we all just close our eyes and do move our bodies move our bodies to it it does feel that you move about the stage in a very kind of, ma- it's either like you're magnetised towards each other or you're polarised. Oh absolutely, God, that's exactly yeah, it. That's, how, that's actually such a good way of describing because that's exactly how it feels, you know. I, I dance a lot, so I just absolutely love this way of, of, Story of storytelling. It's just incredible. I remember reading the book for the first time and just thinking it was just so, it's so raw and it's so, it's so honest. Nothing is sugar-coated. And I think that movement and this way of telling the story, it just ornaments the text so, so well. We spoke about it being, when we first kind of went into the rehearsal room, we all had to talk about the type of play that we were making or show that we were making, because it's really a show more than a play, Yeah, is that the movement was going to be a language in and of itself that That's was what used like. to elevate the, the tech. We definitely made it, created with Vicky a different language yeah. that is used to elevate the tech. And I mean, you see it from the curtain first comes up and everybody yeah. does that. You and Lisa are doing that piece and then we do the piece and mm. it's it's like, this is what it is. It, this is the way that we're going to be telling this story. Yeah, it, feel, it feels really right. It's really special. It's very, very special way of storytelling. None of us particularly, maybe Grace, but none of us, uh, apart from that, are from a dance background or a movement background and... We spent like a solid week with Vicky at the start, really getting to know each other's bodies, getting yeah, to know our own bodies, becoming cool. comfortable with. And she's not, you know, we aren't we aren't dancers. This isn't a dance piece. This is bodies on stage moving to tell a story, yeah. and that's the important difference. You're not going to see perfect extensions, but what you're going to see is emotion and storytelling. Mm. But I think that's what makes bodies. it. It makes it interesting. Like that's what makes it interest interesting. You're seeing these characters yeah. moving. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect extensions or yeah. like pointed toes or anything that's not no. what it like that's not what we're doing that's not what it's, it's about it's rough it's rough yeah it's it's in what it needs to be yeah did you have a preconceived notion of what the country girls was going to be uh, before you came here i think we didn't have a clue really like, i i i think that there is there's like a general consensus of in general of what it was going to be like a lot of my friends who have come to see it have been like oh my god i thought you were going to be like 
in a cutesy little costume and like you know it was going to be all cute and from Claire and I, yeah we we're going to be tarry, like carrying turf across yeah the stage like and, and it was going to be like <laughs> I think it's not what people were expecting I think no I think from the movement call we knew because Graham explained to us what it was going to a lot of what it was going to be in that in that movement yeah. call and the language of, of the movement and that it was going to be quite European I suppose it in in terms of like the, the set being very minimalistic I think that just makes it more about the text but also about it's it's really just as like it, the story is just like raw emotions between people and everything that's well because although the style know. I mean the style of the costumes is still quite you know um sat in none of the era of course, but what yeah. it is is I think they were trying to say that you know this story is so relevant today and not just then. then so exactly. with the set and the costume, what we've done is that's not the focus. The focus no. isn't the time because this is def- a story. It's that's universal. St- it's, it could still be happening now. Yeah. When you, I mean, I know we talk about how Ireland has come so far socially and politically, but a lot of the same problems still stand. The two girls' relationship is a relationship that could be happening okay, now, yeah, you know? Absolutely. The girls' relationship is something that transcends that sort of time and space. Mm. That's a good time to now talk. <sighs> we need to talk about Edna O'Brien and Sally Rooney, I think. And they're <laughs> yes. writers who are 60 years apart. Yeah. Yes. And there is a definite thread, for me anyway, that pulls those two books together. There's rural characters, female friendships. Mm-hmm. And, and first publications, that mean so much. I mean, you refer to the audience members and, and the book being so important to them. Absolutely. And I think Sally Rooney's work is the same. Lola, I know you're a fan yeah. of the bell, <laughs> Sally Rooney. I am. Because you're a young woman of a certain age, you most probably came to Edna O'Brien's work and Sally Rooney's work at the same time. Yeah. Would, you, would you talk about those parallels? I think <laughs> Sally Rooney's amazing. <laughs> and what's mad is, you know, she's not that much older than me. Like, she's so young and she's so brilliant. But um, I read Normal People and I think I was, I was in my living room and I was, in my, I was on my own in the house for ages and I, I got the book and I think I had, I had a bottle of Merlot. And Did I think you? I just like, yeah, I was like... I surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and I think like my boyfriend came in and I was like literally maybe like a chapter or two away from the end. And he came in and I was like, oh, you, I'll, put, I'll put the book down. He was like, you don't have to. I was like, okay, good, because I'm not. <laughs> and he was like laughing at me because I was on the sofa crying, like literally oh, yeah. crying and gasping and... And holding my glass of Merlot, holding the book, and I just couldn't, couldn't get over it. There was a joke about how everybody thinks that they are either Connell or Marianne, and they really do because you see so much of yourself in those characters. Yeah. Connell's a very clever, very clever character. Uh, you've got this rural boy sort of choking on his own masculinity and not really fitting. And Marianne, who is, it's, it's basically like the idea of these rural characters, and it's the same stance. I, I said it before, sort of in an interview, that you have this idea that if you get out. Mm. of where you're from if you get beyond the gate the motorway whatever it is that then you'll become who you are as a full person and that's when you're going to become the person that you're meant to be and home is what's holding you back um i'm absolutely i'm mad about normal people like mm. anybody will tell you that it's it's so clever and i mean i, I think i've read it like three times now actually um, and you find something new every time you get there, and it's it's such a simple story, and it's about these this two really. And what's really really beautiful about it actually is that you take away the romantic sense of the two characters together. So we're two people that have a natural affinity for each other, and that they're always going to be there in each other's lives, no matter what way that is, whether it's a friend, a confidant, somebody that you can just contact over email. These two people that are tied to each other, much like Kate and Baba. Baba and Kate, yeah. who no matter what, that's your person. Natural affinity. That's your person, that's your natural affinity, and it's for that person. 
you know, no matter what's going on in your life, what situation you find yourself in, that's the person that you can tap back into. Mm -hmm. It's it's really gorgeous. I think it's it's kind of insane how much those two sort of bang off each other now. I think Anne Enright got it right when she said that, and I'll misquote her, uh, it's been such a long time that you cared about characters in such a way. Do you know, I remember reading it and just closing oh. it because I was trying to savour it. Yeah. And you're so frustrated at the communication within that book as well. Yes, uh, oh, absolutely. She writes relationships so well. So well. Just these these, these two people. I remember, like, the the bit where um, where Connell invites Rachel to the Debs instead of... In, instead of Marianne. We talked like, about this. And I was... We talked about this. I was this. like, what is he, what is he yeah. doing? And it was like, I know that he's just being... I know he's not a bad person. I know he's just being stupid. I just wanted to deck him. I was like, what are you doing? You're but so stupid. you can stupid. relate to it so And much. I could relate to we it because I had, yeah. a, I had a... Uh, when I was really young, I had a, a, a this fellow who I was certain was going to ask me to his formal, which is a Debs. I was certain he was going to ask it, me. And then he asked this other girl. And I remember refreshing my social media feed and looking at her in her dress and being like... Oh, you know, and I wouldn't have looked as pretty in that dress, and and that's why I invited her, and not me, and blah, 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 and all these things going on in my head. And when I read that, I was like, oh my god! And that, like, I haven't thought about that in years, and yeah. all of a sudden it just came back, and it felt really like real, and like it was happening again. I was like, mm. oh my gosh! There's so many times I read that book where I was like, I know that, I know that, and even if I hadn't been through that, like with with Connell stuff, I was like, I understand that, and I know boys like that. I, I know so many boys like that. Mm. It's in, um, when I was reading the introduction for the trilogy the, for the One City, One Book, Emer McBride writes a note on it. Yeah. And she writes about how Edna doesn't just break the mould, she was the one that created the mould. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because when you talk of Sally Rooney and you talk of Edna in the same breath, they, they do seem to be treading over the same territory. Yes. But you have to remember that Edna 60 years ago was... As you, as you rightly say, people were reading this book underneath the covers, Literally. you know, and it was such a risk and it was yeah. and it was unveiling this interior life of female mm. sexuality. And when you oh. think of why it ever got banned and it's just ridiculous so many years later. Yeah, I think that's what, it, like, because when I first read The Country Girls, I the first thing I thought when I, when I closed the book was, and almost stupidly, I, I was like, why was this banned? Like, which I suppose is... It feels so tame now, but yeah. I, I, but it, it, it's, it's, it's those audience yeah. members who live through that production, yeah. you know. But then even living through it every night as Kate, like it feels that the stakes are so high for her. It's like... Do you feel a weight of responsibility playing that kind massively, of role? Hugely, yeah. Yeah, of course, because there's, here's a generation of women who uh, were completely oppressed in this country and had absolutely, and this was their one chance of being represented and it was it was burned publicly. Um, like, I, and it's just like huge responsibility, yeah, because here's here's our chance to represent them. We spoke a lot in rehearsals about the characters being strong and keeping strong which is uh, like it's something that's very important to me that she's very active in her decision making process um the whole way through and that um yeah that that these women aren't represented as anything but because they got through that time which was I can't I don't know if I would have been able to do it like I I don't I literally don't know how they did it I'd meet these women after the show and I I just am in complete awe of them mm-hmm. but um 
yeah, it's, I think it's really important for both of us to, to represent two really strong young girls who are able to represent themselves and also able to they're, they're both very much themselves yeah we were they're we made a dis- like an actual decision to be like we're not going to put these these girls on stage who are just having things happen to, to them, them you know no. it, that's not what's going to happen and it would be quite easy to do that we have yeah. to fight against that and sort of go no they have they have every sort of clue what they're getting themselves into yeah. the decisions that they're making mm. they're very very intelligent clued mm. in and are exactly. very much active in mm. the things that are happening to them but and also that they're not complying to a mold of what they should be like that they're that's what i like about both of them they're both nuanced and they're both very much they're quirky and they're them, themselves you know they're not they're not like complying to a mold of what a woman was expected to be like yeah. or anything like that it's really important it's a beautiful production to watch in that you can literally see both of you mature before our eyes mm-hmm. and, 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 and it's such a there's a lovely shadow play that goes on and Grace I see your shadow against um, against the wall and you seem such a little girl but but as the woman that stands bef- you know on the stage mm-hmm. you can see that you've matured it's it's yeah. an incredible transformation that happens before our eyes and, and the production does capture that yeah. and also as you say, things don't just happen to the country girls because they find the security, I feel, within themselves. Absolutely. That sense of yourself. And you can see that that support kind of bolster you. It's an incredible scene to see unfold. It's very much an internal thing. And it was something that I've definitely thought about a lot because Kate is still... And, and I think it's important, too, that even at the end, like, she's not... Not everything's resolved. She's, she's not very like, and she's very much not like a woman of the world by the end or anything like that. Like she's still a very innocent although she's an adult, a young adult, she's still very innocent and I think it's important that that's represented as well because I would have felt, you know, when you're like 18 and you feel like people are, you know, all these girls are like suddenly like adults and older than you and I would have felt very innocent and kind of young for my age. And I think I and I think that she still is that. She's still quite, she has this gorgeous, in the character is just written with it, like a, it's, it's knowing, but it's like that she doesn't let the weight of the world's crush her at all or like yeah bury her it's like the sincerity is on her own terms massively yeah and it's so it's so well, that that's it now though like it's just um <laughs> you know like it's, it's I, I remember just reading it and just thinking it's just it's just so honest like we're coming uh, sort of at the show in a like i'm a massive feminist and we're coming to it in a sort of post me to era we're coming to this sort of play at a very interesting time and a lot of people would sort of look at it and see the relationships with men and these young girls and stuff like that. But I think what was really important for us to remember is that more than anything, this is a this is a tail female friendship. Massively. These are, this and is empower- what it's about. Empowerment. empowerment. And, like, you know, the character of, of Baba could particularly be taken. I remember talking to a lot of people about it, and she is quite mischievous, and she's quite uh, openly sexual, and, and she's so much fun but I think that you could take that in one way but for me it was really important for her to be strong in that and that was like you know that was what she every position that she's in is because she wants to do it it's not that there's no other option it's that she sees the other options and this is where she's having fun and she's playing and she's allowed to do that and not not quail in that yeah um 
not sort of quelling that and putting it down in her because then it makes it easier for people to see her as a, you know, somebody that could be a feminist icon. You know, it's the same with Edna. Like, you cannot quell that thing in it so it makes it, like, an easier thing. Mm. Baba is big, she's free, she's open, she's strong, and she's strong in her decisions, she's strong in her sexuality, and that is what makes this feminist and and... That's what makes her an icon is that she's got her fingers up to anyone, anyone that wants to tell her not no. to do it. Do you know what I mean? Even her best friend. From, yeah, even, <laughs> yeah, even her best friend. And that, you know, overall everything, the, the relationship between these two girls is what's important and that they, they're where the other one finds the strength to, to grow. Mm. You know, you see them from their kids and until they're adults, until they make a leap. And they find the, even though they, probably murder each other <laughs> they find the strength in each other to go to the next thing and the next yeah. thing and even though they're, they're constantly trying to get each other on board so they might have two different ideas of how to do the thing but they're constantly trying to get each other on board yes. with their idea of how it's to like, do the thing because they want to do it with each other yes it's like they both want the same things or the same or different versions of the same things if that makes yeah. sense to you does that Absolutely. make sense so they but they go about it in really different ways they need the other one on board because they it's need just each not other as fun no you know yeah. and it's just not as it, it's good and it is that thing that we were talking about with normal people it's the same as it's, two people that have a natural yeah. affinity for each other they need the romance the real romance we talked about them an awful lot in rehearsal like they're in a relationship because they are yeah and it's like 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 kate i kate has this line where it's um i haven't a sister and it's like she's they're sisters like they just are tied to each just other. Tied to each other, like they just need each other, and they love each other. Oh yeah, dearly. And it's that thing with that, you know, we all have those friends or siblings, particularly, where you can say to them, "Oh, I absolutely hate you," and you know that they really mean like you're the best person in my life. I love you so much, yeah. and that's why I can say this to you. It's like the, the insults are, yeah, the highest compliments. <laughs> Me and my sister used to always joke that like. We would be fighting and like screaming at each other, throwing things, calling each other's names, like properly scrapping. <laughs> and then if our mummy and daddy came in to shout at like one of the other ones, we'd be like, "Why are you shouting at her for? <laughs> don't shout! At, don't talk to my sister like that. You're ridiculous." <sighs> and they'd be like, "You're fighting." I'm like, "No, I'm not. Don't talk to her like that." <laughs> Can I ask you, was there a production that put a shape on you? That, you know, piece of theatre that you thought, "Wow, I never thought theatre could be like that." I remember seeing Susan Lynch in uh, "By the Bog of Cats" here, and just actually. I just bawled my eyes out. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just thought she was an absolute powerhouse, and I was like, someday, <laughs> someday. But I'm a big Marina Carr fan. I think for me, something happened like sort of in the recent past. I don't know about like shaping me or anything like that, but something that I saw that made me feel like, oh god, this is a really important moment. Uh, when asking for it was on the Abbey stage, and I saw a bunch of people my age playing a bunch of people my age, yes. talking about things that happened to people my, my age, age yeah. really important topics that are tackled about sexual assault and rape and consent and what it's like to be a teenager, what it's like to be a teenager in Ireland, in rural Ireland. Mm. And I remember seeing it and just thinking, this is a really important moment that we'll all remember. It was very different and the direction was very different and we're not actually used to still used to seeing I mean, I think there were, there were two older actors for the stop in that play and the rest were all young. A lot of them coming from the Lear. And just 
seeing it felt like a real social change. And I know we throw around the word important and necessary in theatre a lot, but I think that that was such an important, necessary mm. piece of theatre. And, and I'm still bawled over by it every time I think about it. And I've never left a theatre and seen the reaction that, that that piece had. I remember seeing it down in Cork and mothers coming out hugging their daughters, fathers coming out hugging their daughters, mm. men coming out together that had gone to see it with their friends, the demographic of people that went to see that show, the conversations that were had after, the way people were literally not being able to speak or not being able to stop speaking was beyond any sort of reaction I've seen to a piece of theatre. Mm. I think it was absolutely magnificent. I think it was stunning. What do you get yeah. from acting, Grace? Oh. Everything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How do I put this into words? <laughs> Without sounding like... I just feel so privileged to... I don't even know how to put it into words. I just feel alive. <laughs> Someone said it to me, that lady that I was talking to um, after the show the other night that w when I was crying and she was crying and she was like, you were just so alive. And I was like, that's how I feel and that's why I do it. And, and it's, I think I love the feeling of togetherness with the audience. It's the best way not to feel lonely, <laughs> but not in a selfish, oh, I'm so lonely sense. It's like we're all ex it, it's sure. live theatre is the most special I can't even explain it should always feel really important and that the job is like for me to share this with this group of people who are watching me because I truly in my heart of hearts believe that it's so important and that makes me feel like I have a purpose and it makes me feel alive and we can experience that together so that's why I do it <laughs> it's communion uh, it's that a, shared experience yeah and I think it's just the acting community is just the best the theatre community here is just amazing and it's such a it's, it feels like home like I've literally gone into theatres because I, I needed to to see stuff just because I actually need to you know get a fix yeah a fix absolutely or just to feel like understood or represented or just Alive, even sitting in an audience, just share, sharing an experience. There's something so beautiful about some going to see something where you know someone has chosen to get up and play a character and give so much of themselves. And I just, I'm grateful as an audience member to watch it and I'm grateful as an actor to get the opportunity to do it, if that makes sense. Nola, how about you? What do you get from acting? Um... I think it's like this, the, the same thing that I get from a lot of our forms. Like I, I mentioned earlier that I've always been really interested in poetry and that was something, uh, kind of a route that I, I still kind of do about when I go down. And I love storytelling. Um, I think I always have and I think that hikes back all the way to my daddy reading me poetry in bed. But I think the, the beautiful thing about arts is that what happens is you have, we talk about feelings all the time and happy, sad, this, that, but the, typically they're never just that one thing. And you, you can't find a way of describing them. Mm. But when you see a piece of theatre and you see an interaction or a look or a piece of text, if you see a painting, if you read a poem, as an outsider, you go, that's, that's, that's it. it. That's it. And yeah. maybe I can't put a word on it, but it was that interaction, it was that painting, it was the way that line was said, it was that poem, it's that piece of music, that's what that feeling is. Mm. And, I, and I think when I'm on stage... 
I love being a part of that. I love getting to play. Like, you know, I get to mess about and have the crack. And even when it's serious, I'm still playing. It's it's playful, and I think you should never lose that. But for me, my interest in acting is the same as arts as a whole is that um, as humans, we can't always pin down what we feel, why we feel it, or how we feel it. But sometimes, and not always, but sometimes you'll see something and you just go, that's the thing that I couldn't pin down. That's exactly what it is, and I have a thing that I can put to it. And then when other people put the same thing on it, you're joined by this thing, and you're in a community of this thing and this feeling. And none of you can put a word to it. There's no word for it. But that's what it is. Mm. And I think that's absolutely gorgeous. Mm. This is probably the final question, and it might be a throwaway question, but see how you feel about this. You're both at the beginning of your careers. If in 60 years' time your work was being appraised, much like Edna's, how would you like for people to talk about your body of work, Grace? I think I'd like people to say... She gave her whole heart and soul all the time. That's all I want. Because that's all I always aim to do. To me, it's always just about being as honest as is humanly possible. Like, I will never go out there and not not be honest and just as truthful as possible. And I think it's very much a sharing of souls. Like, that's what art is. There's this quote, and it's like, Stella Adler, it's like life crushes down your soul and it reminds you that you have one I'm misquoting but I think I would just like people to say she was just really open and I always believed her no matter what I do I don't know I think that like sometimes I talk about like a lot like a lot of things and I talk about like life and colours and that you know you have a palette and every time something happens to you you add another colour to your a colour to your palette so whether it's dark or light it's something that when you make your painting your painting's going to have more depth because you've got another colour and you can add to it. So whether it's something dark or something light, it's only more colours for your palette. It's only going to make your painting even deeper. And I think that that applies maybe to my work a bit in that I want people to be like, she had a lot of colours yeah. and she used them well. My painting was deep and colourful and big and I used yeah. all the colours that I had. You want to be brave too, don't you? You want people to be like, yeah, she used it all. That's I hope I'm think. somebody that, you know... Can't be talked about in 60 years. I know, God. Here, Shirley, it is what it is. <laughs> I should let you get on with your work. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very you much. So Thank much for having us. <laughs>